Yeah, let's have a little think about where we've where we've been then so far. So the whole idea of what we're looking at is this concept of developing your inner story. That each of us have got a public story that everyone sees, but our inner story is the thing that I suppose describes our inner monologue and the thing that drives most of the way we feel and think about particular situations. Um, and the idea behind it is if we can work on our inner story, it begins to change who we are inside that will impact how we make decisions, what we think and what we do uh, with the opportunities that come our way. And I suppose developing our inner story is talking about developing a desire to grow, um, working, uh, consciously working on trying to change our inner story. Um, and we've looked, haven't we, at how if we can be people who look at disciplines and how we can develop discipline in the way that we do life, maybe... Some of those things, if we can work on those things, uh, we can begin to work out ways that we can build in encounters with the divine into our, um, not necessarily our everyday life, but regularly into the pattern of the way our life actually works. Um, So we kicked off the first two weeks with um, looking at what's the point in praying. And that's where we're starting, isn't it, with all of the weeks. What's the point in doing this? Because we're told as Christians that we should pray, we should read the Bible, we should... Uh, we should give, we should serve, um, um, all of these different kind of things. We're told that they're great disciplines, but why? Why are they good? What is it that's useful about, about these things that means we can connect with God? Because if they are great, then why wouldn't we do them? So it's about developing us, developing our inner story. Um, and with praying, we looked at how, um, how it began to... Um, Give us an opportunity to develop that relationship. That it's not about God being the great wish granter in the sky and doing everything that you request. It's actually about a relationship that begins to help you understand him more, invite him into uh, whatever's going on in your world, and probably be changed yourself by that conversation, that dialogue with him. So now we're moving on to a slightly different topic, which is fasting. So today's um, kind of talk is all about what's the point in fasting? Um, has anyone, just a quick show of hands, has anyone in the room um, ever done any fasting, ever had a go at fasting? Okay. Um, was it 24 hours? Felt like a lifetime. Okay. Um, anyone done any longer? Okay. So it's, has anyone not ever done any fasting? Okay. Uh, has anyone ever like fasted for like four hours just naturally in a day? <laughs> um, well, fasting is funny, isn't it? And in a way, the concept of fasting sounds quite difficult. It sounds the, the idea of fasting um, can be uh, sometimes a bit strange for people to get their head around, especially people who aren't from church contexts. The idea that you would um, you would stop eating for a particular amount of time for that purpose kind of freaks people's um, minds out a little bit Um, and I suppose in essence what fasting is is it's stopping doing something or denying yourself something usually it's food and or drink uh, for a prolonged period of time and people do it for a number of different reasons obviously there is religious reasons that we would think about Um, but then sometimes people do it with dietary dietary reasons now there's there's all sorts of um, kind of different um, eating plans that involve elements of fasting now. Um, 
And sometimes it's for political reasons. Sometimes people will stand for a particular thing and they will, they will fast uh, for a particular political reason um, because they want to make a point. Uh, but what is fasting all about? Well, for me, um, within the Christian world, you can look at it and say fasting has probably been something that's been practised um, as a discipline for a long time. Uh, we look back at Jesus uh, and his life and the way that uh, that worked. Um, and he did it. He talked about fasting. He, he fasted at various times. Um, and I think in our world now, especially within the contemporary Christian world, you hear quite a lot of times that people talk about, oh, we're going to have a day of prayer and fasting. Mm-hmm. So it's not an unknown concept. But actually, unless you've done it... Um, I suppose it's a bit of a strange one to work out, well, why? What's the purpose? What's the point in it? So when we ask that question, what is it all about? I think one of the, one of the issues we can have with fasting is that sometimes it feels like fasting is for the really holy people. It's for the people who, um, uh, I don't know, work for a church or, or are really serious about uh, their faith. It's for those with a deep relationship with God and those probably who are the most disciplined. It's like when you hear about people who get up at four or five in the morning to read the bible and pray in tongues man that just seems a million miles away from my reality um, and whenever i think about those kind of people i put them on this pedestal of well these are the people who are the most holy the most disciplined and the most spiritual and when you think about that in in terms of fasting i suppose that is it does feel like it's the case that it's often those kind of characters that you go well those are the ones who are the most disciplined or the most holy um, and do the most kind of worthwhile spiritual things. And in some ways, that is kind of true, isn't it? In some ways, there's an element of that which is true, that, that you can look at those things and say those who are disciplined in their practice of fasting probably do have a depth of relationship with God. There's no, that's not rocket science. There must be something about the fact that they do these disciplines that deepens their connection with God. Um, but just the act of fasting doesn't result in someone being holier than everyone else or someone being having a deeper relationship with God or necessarily being the most disciplined. I think there's definitely things that we see in that uh, and there's a real comparison. You can make a, a fair comparison to say, well, actually, sometimes I see that as the common denominator, that, that the byproduct and the consequence of it is that people do seem to develop a depth, which is, um, which is interesting. And I suppose the other thing with fasting, especially when you hear it announced that we're going to have a day of prayer and fasting, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, sometimes that can be seen in itself as a display of commitment or a display of, of seriousness or affection to God. Maybe it's commitment to a cause that says we believe so much in what we think God's wanting us to do that we're going to fast and pray about it. Um, because we think that's the right thing to do and you can see why that kind of works in people's thinking that in essence what people are saying in that moment is I'm going to give this particular thing up so I'm going to give up food for a day because I think God is more important than food at the minute and I want to focus on this particular thing so that might be the motivation behind it or it might even be that people look at that whole process and go I, I'll prove to people and I'll prove to God that he's more important than food because I really, really, really want God to be um, 
involved and guiding me and all these kind of things in what I'm about to do. Um, so I'll give up food as a sign and as a as a kind of um, a show of of my commitment and my seriousness and my affection to God. And you can see why people do that. You can see why that makes sense um, in in some different situations. But the problem is, as with everything, fasting is open to a serious amount of misunderstanding and miscommunication. Um, and I think that's one of the interesting things. When you look at the idea that it's, mainly, it's, it's probably the most holy people that do it, that's not necessarily the case. But we can, we can box people according to how disciplined they are. So let's have a think about what fasting isn't about or, or what, it's, what it shouldn't be about, maybe is a better way of putting it. I suppose, and this is what we said about prayer, fasting isn't about getting God on our side It isn't about doing something that costs you in order to convince him to do something by your show of commitment. So by saying, I tell you what, God, this is the deal. I'm going to give up food for a day and I'm going to pray to you about this particular topic. And I'm going to trust that because I've given up food, because it's cost me something, that you are now more likely to do what I've asked. Man. We are suddenly making that relationship very weird <laughs> when we put the conditions on it that I don't mind um, giving up time. I don't mind reading my Bible. I don't mind fasting. I don't mind giving my money to you. But God, as long as you realise that by me um, doing this transaction of I'm giving something to you, that transaction should result in you doing what I need you to do. When anything becomes about that, we're in serious trouble of, of um, mistreating our relationship with God. Um, and you can see, actually, if we're really honest about it, when we think about times of prayer and fasting, when people go, we're gonna, we've got this thing going on at church, we're going to pray and fast about it. My question is, why? Why are you praying and fasting about it? If you're praying and fasting about it because you, you just want God to speak into you and change you, amazing. Absolutely brilliant. What I can't think of a better way of opening yourself up to God. But if actually the essence is we've got this thing happening and we're going to pray and fast about it because we're going to just keep asking God all the time to do what we want him to do. To me, that's when it gets a little bit a bit muddy in its motivation, in its purpose, Um, because it then becomes a transaction. It becomes, well, I'm going to I'm going to sacrifice this in order for you to, to convince you to do this for me. And I think it's, it's then about checking our motives. And there's a, there's a key thing with fasting, and, and this is why it's difficult. When it's public, when people say, oh yeah, I, I'm going to be fasting for this amount of time, fine, if, if you want to say that, that's fine. But the reality is, it can very much, if we're not careful, become a show of, I'm, I'm really spiritual because I'm, I'm not eating any food at the moment. Um, and there's a, a really important part of the Bible, Matthew 6, uh, verses 16 to 18. Um, it's Jesus talking uh, about fasting uh, specifically. I'm going to read it in the um, NIV and then I'm going to jump to the message and read it in there as well. So this is what it says. Uh, and it's Jesus talking about fasting. And he says, uh, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do. For they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face 
so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So that's, that's the point that sometimes when we proclaim that we're going to do something, it is a massive motive check. It is a challenge that says to us, well, okay, if you are going to do it, that's great, but that is between you and God. It's not something that needs to be your, your, you're going to kind of be announcing it to an entire kind of church group of people to say, uh, yes, guys, I'm, this is what I'm doing on this day. It's a private thing that, that is only for that connection between you and God. This is what the message says. When you practice some appetite-denying discipline to better concentrate on God, don't make a production out of it. It might, turn, um, it might turn you into a small-time celebrity, but it won't make you a saint. If you go into training inwardly, act normally outwardly, shampoo and comb your hair, brush your teeth, wash your face, doesn't, um, God doesn't require attention-getting devices. He won't overlook what you are doing. He'll reward you well. So it becomes this, this there's such a recognition that fasting is really beneficial and is really worthwhile and is really great but it can never be something I love the way the message puts it it might turn you into a small time celebrity because people are holding you up on this pedestal as wow this is uh, this is amazing what you're doing um but that's the point isn't it it's a motive check that kind of challenges us to make sure that we're not doing this to appear more spiritual we're not doing this as a as a public sign of hey look how look how serious I am about my relationship with God or look how deep I'm I'm prepared to go in order to get closer to Him, actually just get on and do that with you and Him, uh, but get on with life as normal because that's the honouring way of of connecting with God, and the fact is God doesn't need you to fast. He doesn't uh, He doesn't say that you'll only be close to Me if you fast. But what actually happens is fasting actually equips us. Uh, and, and I love the, the language of, of that um, message translation where it says, um, uh, if you go into training inwardly, act normally, shampoo and comb your hair, brush your teeth, wash your face. God doesn't require attention getting devices. He won't overlook what you're doing. He'll reward you. That whole idea of going into training uh, and at the start, it says when you practice some appetite denying discipline or better concentrate to better concentrate on God, don't make a production out of it. That's what it, in essence it's about. It's about saying, how can I develop a way of, of connecting with God that allows me to really concentrate on him, to go into training inwardly so that I can be changed? And that is the difference. And I don't know how that fits with kind of uh, whole church kind of we're all going to pray and fast together. Because I, I think sometimes the pack mentality of it goes, well, it says in the Bible, two or three are gathered in his name. If you agree in it, it will be done. Um, so if we all pray and fast together, we're more likely to get God on side. So, I mean, it's, it, I, I think we've, we somehow seem to have twisted what fasting is, is about. I think it is the thing that will change us. Um, and when we read about Jesus fasting, if we read Matthew 4, uh, verses 1 to 2, we're going to do the same, jump between two versions. Um, so in the NIV, it says, Jesus is tested in the wilderness, is the title. Uh, it says, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. He'd just been baptised. Um, the voice of God had come down and said, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. 
He was about to start his ministry. And this is then what happens. Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After, after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was, um, he was hungry. If we jump then into the message, it's described as the test. That's what it's called. And this is what it says. Next, Jesus was taken into the wild um, by the spirit for the test. The devil was ready to, um, was ready to give it. Jesus prepared for the test by fasting 40 days and 40 nights. So what you see when we, when we think about Jesus um, deciding to fast, what he wasn't fasting for was to convince God to do a particular thing. It talks about how he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights to prepare for the test that he knew was coming his way, for the challenge that he knew uh, was coming his way. And that was his his way of approaching it. He didn't go, oh, I'm going uh, to fast so that God will do X, Y and Z when the test comes. He fasted to change himself. And when you read on in that, the devil uses Jesus' hunger from the fast as an opportunity to test him. So Jesus kind of weakened himself in a lot of ways uh, in order to, to really pursue and, and, and develop that relationship with God, to strengthen that connection with God. But actually what the fast did is it built a resilience in him that meant spiritually he was able to stand against the test and be so attuned to what God would think and do and want him to do in that moment that he was able to, um, to beat the devil and, and not give in to the temptation that came his way. So his practice of fasting had equipped him for that challenge. And I suppose the reality is... In any walk of life that we're in now, if you were going to take on a challenge, whether it's Tough Mudder or a marathon or, or, or anything, uh, or a, a, like a, an exam or a test, what you would do before that challenge took place, if you knew it was coming, you would prepare. You would develop strength and skills and resilience, understanding. You'd develop abilities that would enable you to be better equipped for that challenge. And when we look at fasting as a, as a model of saying, if I know I'm going into some challenging times or even as a regular practice saying, I'm so aware that sometimes life throws curveballs. Then maybe if I can do something in my life that will prepare me spiritually for whatever challenge might be ahead, whether it's you're going into a crazy time at work and you need to feel like you're not doing it in your own strength that you've got someone guiding you, equipping you and helping you, then suddenly this idea of fasting becomes something that, that could be a way of really making a big difference. Uh, I did, um, I did um, some fasting. I know it says hey, you're not meant to tell anyone about fasting, but in, in, kind of, in line with what we're talking about, I um, probably about 20 years ago, uh, no, it was less than that. Maybe about 17 years ago, something like that. I did um, a couple of long fasts in a year. Um, and I suppose when I look back at it, I was early 20s. I was working for you for Christ. And I was thinking, uh, I really want to be sharper in my understanding and my connection with God. We were just about to launch a big campaign with you for Christ. And I wanted to make sure that I was really in tune with what God was saying. I think there was also a bit of immaturity in me that thought, 
um, if I do this, it's more likely to give us a better outcome, <laughs> which you'll see from my experiences that, that that was challenged and changed. But when I think about my experience, I remember I decided to do a 40 day fast and I said to people, uh, this is what I'm going to do. And people were going, I didn't proclaim it. I didn't get any articles written about me or uh, social media didn't exist then. So I didn't announce it. Um, but for the people who were close around me, I'd said I'd decided to do it. Um, and I remember people saying, oh, wow, that's an amazing thing to do because um, like what you'll find is when it's mealtimes, you'll just like go off and pray and all this kind of stuff. And that just wasn't my reality at all. Now, I did it. I did 40 whole days with no food um, and just had drinks. Uh, I didn't I wasn't like perfect with the way I did it because I didn't have like. Um, just water. I hated drinking water, so I thought I couldn't think of anything worse than than punishing myself further by only having water. Um, so I had normal drinks, and uh, I just I just drank normal things. I didn't I didn't go oh yeah soup that's a drink. I didn't kind of try and twist the rules. I, I just kept to drinking drinks, and um, and not eating anything for forty days, um, and it was. A real challenge, but one of the most amazing experiences I did. I did it twice in a year because I enjoyed it so much the first time. I felt like it was another brilliant thing to do. Um, second time was a lot harder because your body kind of reacts quite a bit differently to um, this whole idea of how would you, uh, like, your body realises what's going on the second time around and starts trying to, <laughs> trying to kind of panic. Um, so it's much more difficult second time around. But but what I didn't find was that when I was hungry, I suddenly realised that I should be praying. That the, the loss of something, the, the sacrifice of giving up something, heightened my awareness of, oh, this is why I'm doing this. I need to pray. That didn't happen for me at all. And I remember thinking that when, when people said to me, oh, yeah, because what you could do is you could just pray at mealtimes. I just thought, man, I don't want don't to like be a loner. If everyone's sitting down and having a meal, I want to be a part of the conversation and still want to be a part of it I remember going to someone's house who were who was kind of renowned for cooking amazing roast dinners uh, and I sat in the corner of this table blocked in into the corner didn't have anything to eat and everyone else just savored this massive roast uh, and it was like it was punishing <laughs> but at, at no point did it feel like oh for me while they're eating I need to go into the other room and be really holy and spiritual and some people will probably say, well, you're missing a trick then. If you're not doing that, then you're missing the opportunity to pray to God. But, but actually, for me, the fast wasn't about having more prayer times or having um, more kind of that I would schedule more time to be able to connect with God. And other people might do that. But for me, it became a much more live experience that what I found was when I chose to pray and I probably found I prayed more. Because I, I'd removed this thing of food and eating and this need to eat. I'd removed it. And what I found was I was, I was more attentive and more aware of the opportunity to pray quite regularly. And it became this live experience because what I'd find is whenever I decided to pray, it was like I was instantly there. You know, sometimes you go to pray and you almost have to kind of do a bit of legwork and <laughs> kind of warm yourself up to, to actually feel like God's listening and God's there and that you're connected to him, that you're not distracted by everything else that's going on around you. But for me, when I was fasting, every time I went to pray, it was like straight away I was there. I was connected to God and there was a significance and a depth 
of that encounter with him every time I prayed. Um, and in essence, what I'd done is I'd heightened my awareness and I'd deepened my understanding and my relationship with God through this sacrifice of not eating any food. And what it did for me is it created capacity and it created margin by making some space, not just in my, in my day and in my, t- in my kind of way of doing life, but in my mind and in my way of thinking. And that, as, it's, as a practice, made a way for a connection with God, made a way for, for a depth to be um, pursued. And the simplest way of putting it for me is it removed some distractions and worked against my tendency to become self-sufficient. So what I'd often find is I would, uh, before that, is I would go and I would go to pray. And by the time I'd finished praying, I'd worked out myself how I would sort a situation out. Some might say that God guided me in that. But, but the tendency sometimes to be self-sufficient or solve things yourself is sometimes getting in the way of our ability to hear what God wants to do and allow him to shape what's going on. So for me, having that discipline of saying I'm not going to eat anything for 40 days just heightened everything to do with that awareness. So whenever I prayed, I felt like me and God were already running together and already on the same page. And I could hear him so much clearer and it stopped me being um, someone who was trying to solve everything myself. So that whole thing of distractions is probably one of the greatest challenges we have in our life and in our relationship with God today. I don't know how you do with that stuff, but, but being distracted is one of the main things that pulls us away from connecting with God. And it's a simple question, really. If you think about your life, what are the three main distractions? Not necessarily negative things. The three main distractions that dominate your life, that dominate your mind, your thinking, your, your, your inner story as such. For me, I would probably say in no particular order, and these aren't necessarily all negative, some of them are the most amazing things. Um, my family is probably one of the greatest distractions in, in a positive way. My work is one of my greatest distractions and my home is one of my greatest distractions keeping it tidy keeping on top of it getting work done that needs doing positive and negative these things can be can be things that dominate our minds but then how easily can our capacity to think and and exist how, how easy can that capacity be used up by those things, thinking about those things, doing those things, attending to those things? Um, and then if you think about the question, do you ever struggle for space or time with God? Then why is that? Is it distractions? Is it things that sweep in because this feels more immediate than just my general maintenance of my relationship with you? Do you know what I mean? And that's that's the challenge that if if we were to say... Um, we only ever prioritise the things that are most that, that are most urgent. Then it's really hard to get time with God and space with God and an encounter with God into the top spot because it's it just feels like it's something because it's ongoing and we can never achieve that um, we can never get to the point where we've achieved everything we should have done with it. It's probably something that can easily slip down the pecking order. But distractions are the kind of things that in some ways we need to be able to manage. And the more effectively we can learn to manage distractions, 
the better we can find that we can cope with life and we can we can grow in our relationship with God and and do those things well so when we think about this whole idea of fasting the key thing is is that we understand the purpose and the the benefit of fasting and I suppose for me the decision to fast seems more about recognizing our reliance on God recognizing the benefit of when God is with me and alongside me in in all that I'm doing I know that I'm better because of that so it's recognizing that reliance on God our need for connection and our need and desire for that deeper relationship with him and and for me I'm certainly not saying fasting is something that we all need to do but this whole series is the idea of what can we find that enables us to best connect with the divine, best encounter the divine. And if there's some things that you come out with over these next few uh, these next few weeks that you go, that's one thing that really works for me and really benefits me, then, then that will be uh, amazing if we can find those things. So for me, it's about, um, it's becoming about removing distractions and creating capacity for that connection to exist and to grow and develop. And there's that question, do you have to fast? I don't think God says we have to fast. I don't think it's a requirement for you as a Christian that you have to fast. But I would say, if you do choose to do it, it does make a difference. It makes a huge difference. Because, yeah, it does cost you something. But that isn't that the cost of that thing isn't a transaction, which means God's going to do the thing that you're asking for. But what it does do is it changes something inside of us. And I've just written here, the most interesting thing is that God doesn't change, uh, doesn't change by us fasting. He doesn't change by us fasting. It doesn't guarantee an outcome. But most commonly, we are changed. New thoughts and perspectives are revealed. Greater understanding is gained. It equips us and allows us to gain a deeper connection with the divine. And that's the beauty of it. So if you've never done it properly or never given it a go and you've got some, some challenging stuff happening or you've got some challenging stuff ahead or you just want to pursue a deeper connection with God, then I would say do it and, and see how much better that relationship with God can be. Now, don't do it and go, I'm going to fast today and what I'm going to do is I'm just going to busy myself with so many other things so that I forget that I haven't eaten and by the end of the day I would have achieved it. That's not really going to do anything for you. If you replace the space with distractions of other things to get you through the fact that you've decided to give up something, we need to remain open to uh, encounters and space with God and it's really challenged me if I'm honest about how we move forward as a group of people because I'm sat there thinking God I really want to I really want to get our decisions right we don't want to make good decisions and I really want to I really want to see what we do grow but the problem is I'm there sat there going oh well I could I could like pray and fast about it and then there's there's a part of you that has to then fight against because if I pray and fast it means God's more likely to make us grow but that's not the point it should be that I want to pray and fast so that I can hear better what God wants me to do and the direction that God might want to take us as a group of people. The byproducts of that may be that we grow, um, but actually 
the the biggest thing is that my connection with him and my my relationship with him is grown because of that. So there's a challenge moving forward. Think about ways of creating space, margin and capacity that will allow you to deepen your connection with God, deepen that reliance and that relationship with him. Um, Because I really do believe if we are disciplined in these things, uh, I don't think it's that we get some like scout badges that say, hey, you're you're like an A grade faster because you've done five this year. It's not like giving blood where you get a different colour card when you've hit five um five um transfusions um it's just about discipline that enables you to do uh to to develop that relationship with god so it's not a requirement but it from my perspective and my experience and understanding it will sharpen you if you do it so have a think about it uh, take some time to wonder about if there's anything that you think might really benefit in your relationship with god by carving out some time to to give margin and space for him to speak into it. So let's just pray. Father God, I thank you that more than anything, you're desperate for that connection with us. And God, we're sorry for the times that we um, that we fill in all of the space around our lives. We busy it with stuff so that we can feel like we've achieved things and done things. And God, there's times where maybe we can all look at it and say that we've pushed you down the pecking order and that our development of our relationship with you has, has slipped down the level of importance because other things are just too immediate and urgent. God, I pray we'd be a group of people who would recognise the, the real benefit and um, power of having a deep connection with you. God, I pray that you'd encourage us and inspire us to do that and that ultimately you would just meet us at that point and we'd be really changed by that connection with you. So uh, inspire us today. Amen.